I'm excited to get to be a part of this series called Revive, Revive, bringing relationships back to life. And before we jump into the message today, I do wanna look on the other side of that screen and say a big hello to those of you joining us online, or maybe you're at one of our jail campuses, our prison ministries, or at Belize Central Prison. We believe in you. Come on, church. Welcome our church family. We love y'all. Well, just so I know who I'm working with today as I give this message, just by a show of hands, if you're in the room and you're married, raise your hand. I wanna see how many married couples we have in the room. Okay, awesome, a lot of you, put your hands down. What about the singles? Let me see the singles, raise your hand, hold them up, hold them up, don't put them down. Now look around in case, in case the spirit lights the flame, right? Like you make eye contact, you know? Like, I'm just trying to shepherd you right now. Well, you can put your hand down now, sir. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, I'm just teasing you. So no, we're, it is gonna be an exciting day. The title of the message today is When the Devil Comes Knocking. When the Devil Comes Knocking. And so I wonder, in your relationship, she says a lot, he comes knocking a lot. Well, I wonder if, if you've ever struggled in a relationship. Maybe you're, you're single and you have struggled your way through bad dating experience to bad dating experience, through breakup to breakup, and you've just struggled in your singleness. Or maybe you're married and you're struggling your way through your marriage, and you just can't seem to get on the same page in any area of your marriage. Or, or maybe you're struggling your way through a friendship, at one point, the friendship felt right, but somewhere along the way, something shifted, something changed in that friendship, and it just feels tense. Or maybe you're struggling your way through with your in-laws, and you just can't get, a, get along with your in-laws or your family, and there seems to be divide in your family. Or maybe you're struggling your way through your work situation and you dread going to work because you are not gonna see eye to eye with your boss and they, you just feel like they don't understand you. I wonder if you've ever struggled in a relationship. My guess is like me, you have. And the truth is, if we're not careful, we'll continue to diagnose the struggle in the relationship as if it's something to do with the other person. Or at times, we do know that we're the problem. And sometimes that's true, but Paul in scripture wants to make sure that we understand there's a greater instigator involved than that. That when I'm in a struggle in a relationship, there's something else that I can't see with my eyes that may be happening. In fact, he tells us what it is in Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 12, Paul says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against who? The devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your boss. It's not that friend. It's not that bad dating experience. No, Paul says, no, your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 2 Corinthians chapter two, because over and over, every time Paul addresses a relationship struggle, which he does it a lot in scripture, and every time he addresses it somehow, some way, when he addresses the relationship struggle, the devil is also in the verse. Somehow, he's also making sure that we identify the devil's probably knocking 
in that struggle. In fact, he's addressing a relationship struggle. We'll take a look at the whole passage a little bit later in the message. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells the Corinthian church, here's what you need to do about this relationship struggle. And then he tells them why. And he says, it's in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes, he says. Then he gets to the Ephesian church. And when, he's, and when Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus, he says this, Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 through 27. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? Do not give the devil a foothold, he says. Here's what I want you to know about that word foothold right there in scripture. The original, if you looked up the Greek word, the original language there, the definition of foothold there, what he's saying is be careful you don't give the devil a foothold. He's saying, be careful you don't open the door to the enemy. He's saying in that relationship struggle you're having, be really careful that you didn't open the door to the enemy and invite him right on in to have a seat at the table of that relationship. And then he tells us in 1 Peter, he tells us why. Because I promise you this, when you and I open the door to the enemy in our relationships, just in life, can we just say that? When I open the door to the enemy in my life, he has one mission in mind. And it's this, he plans to devour you. That's what 1 Peter says. Look at it, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse eight says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That word devour in the original language, the picture it's painting is to swallow you up. <laughs> and it means to cause an end to something. This, I promise you, anytime we've opened the door to the enemy in our relationships, his number one goal is to cause an end to it. In other words, he wants to cause an end to every godly relationship we might have in our life. He wants to cause an end to my marriage. He wants to cause an end between me and my kids in our godly relationship. He wants to cause an end between you and your church family. He wants to cause to end a relationship with a godly small group. He wants to make sure that he devours any godly relationship that you have in your life. That is his plan, that is his goal. And so here's what I wanna ask us today. Here's the question, here's the question. Have you opened the door to the enemy in your relationships? I'll give you a second. Think about it. Have you opened the door to the enemy in your relationships? In fact, I wanna share with us two areas we might be opening the door to the enemy in our relationships in today. And I'll tell you, there, it's not an exhaustive list because there's many ways we can open the door to the enemy. They're all throughout scripture. But last weekend, as I sat over in the chair, listening to Pastor Kyle's amazing voice, as he likes to put it, is that how he puts it? Okay. As I sat and I listened to Pastor Kyle in that message, suddenly in a moment, the Holy Spirit just impressed on my heart. There's two areas I want you to tell the church they're opening the door to the enemy in, in their relationships. And he was so clear and I wrote him down last weekend and then I just prayed and studied all week long in these areas. And so I'm gonna share two areas we've opened the door to the enemy in, in our relationships. Now, as I share these, I want you to know the reason I think these are so important is I would say this, I think they are the two areas in God's people, in the church, 
that have the greatest strongholds by the enemy. Okay, so when I share these areas, I need you to know, and as we share the passages we've already read and we'll continue to read, Paul wasn't talking to unbelievers. Paul was talking to the church. And he's going, church, you've opened the door to the enemy. You've got some open doors to the enemy in your relationships and it's causing some struggle. He was talking to the church in this moment. And so that's what we're gonna do today. Two areas that you could have opened the door to the enemy in your relationship. And here's the first one. Number one, we open the door to the enemy through a lack of purity. Anytime we have a lack of purity in our life, we open the door to the enemy. I wanna share some verses with you and can I, I I need you to take a breath as I do because I already feel the tension in the room. Here's what I want you to know. As I share this today, can I just say, I share this from a place of experience. So I'm not sharing a word with you that I have not lived. I have opened the door. I lived half of my adult life with the door open to the enemy in the area of purity in my life. And purity can mean a lot of things. We're gonna get specific about what we're talking about today. But I lived with the door open and can I just say the enemy devoured me. He swallowed me up. And I've come on the other side when I've learned the principles we're gonna talk about today. And it changed my life forever. I have no right to be up here except that I heard a message like this and it caused me to change my life. And now here I am imparting the same word to us today. And so here's what the Bible says. And like I said, a lack of purity, there's many different areas we could talk about that would be a lack of purity in our life. But I'm gonna get very specific today. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verses three through five, and then I'll read verse seven. It says this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, let me pause there because the Greek word for sexual immorality that he's using right here in this verse is the word pornea. And it probably sounds familiar to you. It's where we get our English word pornography. But it doesn't just mean pornography when he's saying that you should avoid sexual immorality. Here, he's talking very specifically about any kind of intimacy or sex that is outside God's word and bounds for it between a man and a woman in a covenant marriage. That's it. That's what the Bible says. And so when he uses this word pornea, he's saying, this is anything outside those lines. This would be premarital sex. Being with somebody that I am not in covenant and married to. This would be adultery. Being with someone that is not my spouse. This would be homosexuality. This would be pornography. This would be anything outside of the bounds that God has created for me to be within. And then he goes on and he says that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. In other words, just in a way that God showed you to. Just honor God's standard is all he's saying. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. What I think about this passage, I think too often we don't know God's standard or we try to make it up for ourselves. It reminded me of something that's happening in my house as we speak. You see, Kyle and I have a friendly disagreement about how you should hang a picture, okay? And so here's how it works at my house. When Kyle sees me walk into a room with a hammer, some nails, and a picture, he will literally beg me to stop. 
please do not attempt to hang that picture because he knows what's about to go down next. I have this method that I use. It is called, I'm going to eyeball it. I think that I am talented enough to just eyeball the wall. And I think I can gauge about where this picture should go. And so I get my hammer and I get my nail and I eyeball the wall and I walk up to the wall and I hang the picture. I step back from the picture, I look at it and I realize it is way off. So I go back up to the wall, I take down the picture, I take out the nail and I move it to a new spot and I hang the picture. And I step back and I see that the picture is now crooked and off. And I will proceed to do this about 27 more times until I get to the point that I'm like, you know what? That's good enough. I think it looks fine. I think it will do just right there. And now I have 27 holes that you can see all over the wall. I have a crooked picture that is not equally in between the other two pictures. And it's about this time Kyle walks into the room and he says, that is not how you hang a picture. And he pulls out this. And I say, I don't know what that is. What do you do with that? And he has taught me this is called a level. And apparently, he said, if you would just use a level, you could go up to the wall, you could use your level, and what, it, what you do is you keep the bubble in between the lines. You just gotta keep the bubble in between the lines. That's what he told me. And, it, and he, then he said, then you'll know that the picture is straight and right where you need it. Just keep the bubble between the lines, he says. Use the level. And sure enough, he would hang the picture. And you know what? It takes him one time. One nail, one time, and he's got the level picture. I thought about that. (laughs) And I thought most of us might be using my method in our life of purity. I'm just gonna eyeball it. (laughs) Does it feel right? I mean, does it look kind of straight? Is it sort of in the middle? I mean, it's not as bad as some other things I've seen. I I mean, I don't think anybody will even notice. It's not going to hurt anything when you see the crooked picture on my wall. And we use this method and we just say to ourselves, I'm just going to eyeball it. But it's not the right method because God's given us a level. And he's basically telling us, if you'll just hold up the level and keep the bubble in the middle, if you'll just hold up the standard, I'll show you exactly where it should be. You you won't have to try this over and over and over again. You're gonna get it right the first time, but I'm gonna need you to hold up the level. I'm gonna need you to have a new standard. I'm gonna need you to understand that it's not for your bad. I'm not trying to tell you no to things. God's trying to give us freedom. And so often we've opened the door to the enemy with a lack of purity because we're just trying to eyeball it. And I did it for years. In every relationship I had, the enemy was right there with me because I opened the door and he was devouring it. And my heart today, why would I need to give a message like this 
on a day like this. It's because I refuse for any of us to go any longer living in bondage with the door open to the enemy. In fact, let me just give you some more verses because they're all over scripture when it comes to this area of purity in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 20. This was a verse that I memorized. It was the first verse that I ever memorized because this is the verse that I needed. And it says this. I'm gonna read the message version, the paraphrase version of this. It says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. And since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all the others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The NIV, the mess, that's the version I memorized. Didn't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And, it, and that's what it says here, the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. And then in Ephesians chapter five, verse three, it says this, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because they are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint, the Bible says, and here's why I think this is important, because so often it can seem like the door is closed, but a hint leaves a crack. <laughs> and a crack will lead to an open door. And one open door will lead to another open door. And that open door will continue to lead to other open doors. But it was just a hint. I mean, it was just a hint. And we get stuck here. But the hint starts the process for the open door. And before we know it, we're stuck in some bondage and we wake up going, how did I get here? How did this happen in my marriage? How did this happen in my singleness? How am I going from this to this to this? How does that happen? Usually it's a hint. At some point it started with a hint. And so I wanna say to us today, we've got to close that door on the hints. <laughs> in fact, let me say, can I speak to the women in the room, to the teenage girls and the girls in the room as a mama of the house today? Because I was this person. I just want to encourage us in a day with social media, be careful what you're posting about yourself. Listen, stop posting pictures of yourself in your bikini. <laughs> Please. I'm saying it with a mama's heart. I wish somebody would have said it to me. It's a hint that will lead to an open door. Fellas, may I? Every time we look at Netflix and we go, it's just TVMA, a little bit of nudity. It's a hint. And a hint will lead to an open door. 
and we'll find ourselves in a place and we'll wake up going, how did I get here? I'll tell you how. It was a hint that opened the door to the enemy in my life. But let me give you the good news. Let me say this before I give you good news. I wanna say this because I know like most of us are feeling it in the room, but, but I wanna say to the married couples in the room, it's interesting and I won't, I won't read the verse to you, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse five, while the door can be open to the enemy with a lack of purity, right? Like sex outside of marriage in ways that it shouldn't be in abundance. Okay, that's opening the door to the enemy in our life. But do you know also the Bible tells us that inside the marriage bed, if there's not enough of it, <laughs> that could open the door too. So what I'm trying to say is if you're married, have sex, please. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm so grateful Kyle's not in here right now. He would be shouting me down. But I am being serious. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 for yourself. If I, the Bible, what Paul says in there is he said, hey, if you're withholding on your spouse, it is an open door for the enemy to come in. And so we gotta be careful with that one. But let me give you the good news. We can shut the door on the enemy. And so when it comes, if you find yourself like I would have with a lack of purity that has opened the door to the enemy, you know how we shut it? We shut the door on the enemy with one word, repent. Repent. And let me tell you what repentance is because so often in the church, we can see that word repent and think it means you need to pay for it. You need to feel bad about it. You need, you need to just like go get penance over it. You need, that's not what the word repent actually means in the original language. That word repent means change your mind about the matter. We get really stuck because here was me. Let me tell you my cycle year after year after year, week after week after week. My cycle was when I struggled with the lack of purity in my life that it opened the door to the enemy. I would sit through a Sunday service like this and I would hear a message and it actually didn't matter what the topic was. It could have been about the flowers. It didn't matter. I would weep and cry and cry because I would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And I would say, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I'm living like this. I'm sorry that this is happening. And I would go back out Monday to the same way I'd been living, never changing my mind about it. And the process of repentance, of repenting, in fact, let me show you, I had what the Bible called a worldly sorrow. I'm sorry that I feel like this and that I got caught. That's a worldly sorrow. Listen to the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. In other words, I can't just feel sorry about it and sorry that I got caught. Repentance is when I confess it to God. And I am sorry, I confess it to God. And then I pick up his word to help me change my mind about it. I read what his word says about it. And then I commit myself to that level. I commit myself that when I go back out, I'm not turning back to the same thing that I've been living off of. I'm gonna live differently. I'm gonna change my mind. That's what repentance is. 
And, and I think it's interesting because Jesus gives us a warning in Luke chapter nine. And I wanna read it to you because I think some of us get stuck here. Luke chapter nine, verses 61 through 62 says this. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first. And we get stuck at, but first. Yep, I'm gonna change. But first, but first, but first, I just need to, just one more thing. And, Jesus, and he says, but first, let me go say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Jesus is saying, here's what Jesus is saying. If you go back, you may not ever come back to me. I wrote this down because the Holy Spirit spoke it to me so strongly when I was studying that verse this week. I wrote this down and I'm gonna release it to us. And the word was this, stop going back for one more time. Deadly. Stop going back for one more look. Just one more time. I just need to go back and explain to them why we have to break it off. No, you don't. We need to do whatever we need to do to make sure that it stops now. And then what Jesus was warning this man is, if you go back, I have a feeling you'll never return. There is a moment, and I've watched it. I mean, we shepherd a lot of people. We do a lot of counseling. I've watched it too often. There's a moment where there wasn't another try. And Jesus is saying in this moment, listen, stop going back for one more time. God's grace is on us to shut the door to the enemy. And there's gonna be a decision we have to make to say it stops here and it stops now. If I have to change jobs, I have to change jobs. If I have to send the text that says we're done, I'll send the text that says we're done. If I have to hand over my phone and computer to put a stop to it, I'll hand it all over. What do you need to do to stop now? and close the door on the enemy because God's grace has an ability to completely restore and revive every relationship you have that's struggling due to an open door. All you have to do is repent, just repent. Go to God, say you're sorry. Let him change your mind on the matter. And listen, you can't do it yourself. You're not strong enough. That's why the Bible says, that's why the other verse I memorized, two verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, that says, my body's not my own. It is God's. He paid a price for it. But I also memorized 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, which says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Look to your right, look to your left. They're struggling too, in other words. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, because you will be, he will give you an open door for you to step through and stand for what is right. God's grace is on you. God's grace is with you. Whatever the enemy has tricked us and duped us into, I promise can be broken today. Repent. Repent. The only reason I stand here today is there was a moment in a service like this, that I finally changed my mind. And I took away permission to going back to Monday the same way I had come in. And it was different. 
It wasn't easy. It wasn't perfect, but it was different. And God's grace was on it. James chapter four, verse seven says this, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So a lack of purity can open the door to the enemy. The second thing that can open the door to the enemy in our relationships is this, number two, an abundance of offense. Says this, Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 through 27. We'll read the verse again. We read it when we opened. It says, if you are angry, do not sin by nursing your grudge. Just be honest, you ever nursed a grudge? Am I the only one that nurses grudges? <laughs> I'm a great nurser. <laughs> I've done a lot of practice at it. I know how to keep it alive. I know how to rehearse it. I'm so glad Kyle's not here to confirm that. <laughs> That's what it's saying. Like, Have you ever had this thing that somebody did to you, against you, and you just keep nursing it? <laughs> carrying it around, the chip on your shoulder, you rehearse it in your mind, you go through it again and again, you feel something, not a good tingle, a bad tingle every time you see them. <laughs> Don't let the sun go down with you still angry, the Bible says. Here's what I think we think. Like to me, that verse used to mean, let's stay up and fight this thing out until you see my way. <laughs> That's what don't let the sun go down meant to me. I can stay up all night long, baby, until you see it my way. But that's not what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying, even if you don't get an apology, even if it's not made right, you don't go to bed offended. That's on you and that's on me. There's something about going to bed offended that opens the door to the enemy. Invites him right on into that relationship to have a say. And do you think he's gonna tell you, you know what, you should forgive them. No, he's gonna remind you what they did to you. He's gonna point out things you hadn't even considered. <laughs> He's gonna help you rehearse it. He's gonna build the story and it's gonna be much larger than what the real story was because I opened the door through that offense. And the Bible's saying you don't have to do that. And if you go to bed offended, you're gonna wake up with a story that was even bigger than when you went to bed. Get over it quickly for when you're angry, you might give an open door to the devil, it says. And anytime we're holding a grudge, and here's the thing, how do you know if you're offended at somebody? You can't pray for them. You don't wanna bless them. You don't, you don't wanna work that thing out. You just wanna keep the record of wrong. You wanna keep reminding why that hurts you or why that thing made you feel like that, or you just walk away. You're, you just walk away from the relationship totally. And it's an open door to the enemy. And so how do we shut the door on the enemy in this area? One word, what do you think it is? Forgive. Forgive. And what it means to forgive somebody, it means you can pray with for them. You can pray for them. You can bless them. You can do good to them. No matter, I understand there's some hurts in the room. I totally get it. 
I remember there was somebody, a family member that, that hurt me in my life and really I had the right, my whole family had the right to be offended. And I could have, we could have justified it. But I remember just that, that moment with the Lord where he told me, you've got an open door to the enemy and he's gonna devour you. You've gotta let this person go. You've gotta release them. You've gotta bless them. You've gotta pray for them. And I did, and I got to go on this journey with them. I got to be with them when they were healed from cancer. Like I got to go on this journey in their relationship that should have been dead, but it was revived. And you know why? Because of one thing, I shut the door on the enemy and I refused to hold a grudge and I forgave them completely. And God wants to do it in your relationships. In fact, I wanna show you this verse as we get ready to close. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses five through 11. Now remember I said, uh, Paul had said to the Corinthian church, hey, you've got a relationship struggle going on and, and I want you to solve it. And he's gonna tell us how to solve it. And he said, I want you to solve it so that Satan doesn't outwit you so that Satan doesn't have an open door to your church, it said. And so 2 Corinthians chapter two, what we're gonna find is in 1 Corinthians, Paul had addressed the Corinthian church and he basically said, there's a man in your church that you need to address because he has sexual immorality. How would you like that if the church, you know, if today I read it like Paul, I'd be calling us all out. Aren't you grateful? We're not doing that. And, and he's saying, hey, you need to call him out because I don't want him to be devoured by the enemy. Let him know the truth. Tell him the truth, church. That's what he's saying. And he told him that in 1 Corinthians. And now we get to the 2 Corinthians passage in chapter two, verses five through 11. And look what he says to them. He, said, he says, okay, you did it good, but you've kind of left it open-ended. And he says, I'm not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him and that was punishment enough. In other words, he said, you told him the truth, that's good. But then he says this, verse seven. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Why? Because otherwise he may be overcome by discouragement. You know what Paul is saying here right now? He's saying, hey, Corinthian church, if you don't forgive him, the enemy's gonna drag him away from Jesus. Do you agree that you want nobody on your watch to be dragged away by the enemy from their relationship with Jesus? Did you know that your unforgiveness towards somebody could be doing just that? I'm trying to hold somebody to pay a debt that they can't pay. Far be it from me to be the reason that the enemy takes out one of my brothers or sisters or my spouse or my kids or my family, far be it from me. Because of my unforgiveness, because I hold a grudge, because I refuse to let them go from it. And we do it all the time. And I know it's hard. And I know it hurts. But Paul is telling the church, be careful. If you don't call, swoop in and offer forgiveness, the enemy's not only gonna devour you, he, he's gonna devour them too. And it goes on and he says, so I urge you now, reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you to test you and see if you'd fully comply with my instructions. When I forgive this man, or when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. So that... Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. 
And so I'm asking again, have you opened the door to the enemy in your relationships? You and I don't have to feel bad about it. We just need to shut the door. I, I gotta close that door. How? I gotta repent. I gotta forgive. But let me say this. I know because I've sat where you are and I've thought it to myself. There's some in the room and you're thinking to yourself, awesome, but it's too late. It's too late. I already opened the door. I already lack purity. I already hold an offense that I'm not sure I can forgive. I've already opened the door. It's too late. Listen, nothing is beyond the bounds of God's grace. It is never too late to shut the door on the enemy. It is never too late to have a returning of purity. It is never too late to forgive somebody. And I'm just telling you, the grace of God will be upon that. And there's gonna be some relationships that come back to life. Some of your marriages are gonna come to a whole new place because you're gonna close the door on the enemy in them. Some of your family dynamics can completely change if you'll just close the door on the enemy in them. I'm telling you, God's grace and blessing can abound and fall on us, but we have to shut the door on the enemy. We have to repent and we have to forgive. And if you feel like it's too late, Listen to this passage in Titus chapter three, verses three through seven. And I'm gonna just read it in first person because this is my story. It wasn't so long ago that I myself was stupid and stubborn. A dupe of sin, ordered every which way by my glands, going around with a chip on my shoulder, Hated and I was hated back. But when God, my kind and loving Savior God stepped in, he saved me from all that. It was all his doing. I had nothing to do with it. He gave me a good bath and I came out of it a new person. Washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. And our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. And God's gift has restored my relationship with Him and my relationship with others. And He's given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. I'm just saying. It's not too late. God's goodness, his kindness, and his grace are present. The enemy's plan is to devour you, but God's plan is to restore and revive every relationship that's broken, to solve every struggle you're walking through, and to pour out and wash you clean for a fresh start. And I'm asking you to grab a hold of that fresh start today. Would you pray with me? I wanna speak to those of us in the room that, the first door we have to close on the enemy because the truth is, unless you've given your life to Jesus, unless you've surrendered your heart to Jesus, the enemy is ruling and reigning. 
And so you gotta close that first door by just surrendering your heart to Jesus. And if you would say you've never given your life to Jesus as Lord, or maybe you did at one point, but you walked away, you were like the guy that said, but first, let me go do some things, I'll come back. And I just wanna encourage you, today is your day to surrender fully to the presence of God. And so if that's you in the room or you on the other side of that screen, I just want you to lift your hand and I'm gonna pray for you. You're gonna pray right where you are. I see your hands, I see your hands, hands, hands. Right here, right where you are, just pray this prayer in your heart. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. I repent of my sin. Now wash me clean today and fill me with your spirit. And show me how to keep in step with you, God. Today I choose you and I receive this gift of salvation in Jesus' name. And now all around the room, if you're in the room and you'd say, you just need God's help. There's a struggle somewhere. You've opened a door somewhere. You wanna make sure that you close it. Just lift your hand towards heaven. We're gonna pray a prayer today. Some of you, it's gonna be a prayer of repentance. Some of you, it's gonna be a prayer of forgiveness. Some of you are gonna let some things go that you've carried for far too long. Some of you are gonna shut the door in the devil's face today and tell him that no longer does he get to have a stronghold on your life. Some of you are gonna receive the blessing and the forgiveness of Lord Jesus today. And so right where you are. Father, here we are, your sons and your daughters, and we commit ourselves to your standard today. We hold up the level of your word, God, and we ask that you would cleanse us from head to toe in Jesus' name. We repent of any lack of purity in our lives, and we come into alignment and agreement with all of heaven and all of your word right now. I speak to every stronghold in the room, and I command it to be broken in the name of Jesus. Broken soul ties in the name of Jesus. Broken strongholds of addiction broken strongholds of lust, broken strongholds of those temptations, right now be broken in Jesus' name. I come against a spirit of offense and command it to go now in Jesus' name. We say lift in the name of Jesus. May your love be poured out among us and through us, Holy Spirit. I pray for every wound of betrayal in the room. Be healed in Jesus' name. May there be new life given in Jesus' name. We speak to every relationship struggle and we say you will live and not die in the name of Jesus. Jesus. And I just pray, God, bring it all back together. Bring unity in this house. Bring unity in our relationships and bring unity between you and us. We surrender now to this moment and we give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand to your feet? Well, I want you to respond in worship. I thought about doing an altar call, but I need you to just respond between you and God. And we're gonna worship King Jesus in this moment. And I want you to prophetically declare these words we're gonna sing and believe that they're breaking and closing doors in your life. Come on, we're gonna lift our voice today and worship King Jesus. <laughs> 